It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors. On today's show, I'm joined once again by our pal Vivek Jacob, who is just spending so much time talking to me the last couple of weeks. But we love it because Vivek is great, and it's the preseason. And I want nobody else on the show to talk preseason than Big V. Of course, on today's show, we are going to continue our thread of episodes we've been doing for the last few weeks, looking at what success might look like for each of the key members of the Raptors. And we have come now to OG Ananobi, maybe the most interesting Raptor going into this season, full stop. We're going to talk about what a successful season might look like for Ananobi as he looks to make the leap. And we're also going to talk about a comment yesterday from Nick Nurse about job and camp battles, and maybe it ties into Malachi Flynn. Maybe it doesn't. He, of course, didn't play a whole lot in the first game of the preseason, and maybe there's a little battle going on for the backup point guard spot. Either way, we're going to talk about that and OG Ananobi on today's episode, so stick around and enjoy. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1030 of Locked on Raptors for Wednesday, October the 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. And also you can subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. We are free on all platforms and we're on YouTube as well. So please go hit that sub button. I think we're one sub away at the time of recording from 800, which is wonderful. Thank you to everybody who has latched on to the show here. New listeners, existing listeners you know taking the show in through a new medium either way all are welcome and we love you all very very much and thank you for making locked on raptors your first listen of the day all right on today's show we are talking about og ananobi continuing a thread of episodes digging into what success might look like for key members of the raptors this season we're also going to talk quickly about some comments from nick nurse yesterday regarding some camp battles maybe they are about malachi flynn i'm not quite sure we'll talk it through with today's guest who is back and uh just stuck in his room recovering from his achilles injury and thus forced to talk to me all the time it is vivek jacob from raptors.com how's it going buddy it's good happy to talk with you again and get this uh series back on about you know what a successful season would look like for OG, uh, and but yeah, I know we got some news to take on before that. 
Yeah, so let's get into that yesterday. So Nick Nurse, uh, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but basically to the effect he was talking about camp battles and made reference to the idea that some guys have, who came into camp maybe sort of projected thinking they had a job locked up, whether it was a role or whatever it might be, maybe just a roster spot. Again, it wasn't entirely clear. Uh, mentioned that some of these guys who came in kind of thinking they knew their role are maybe being challenged by guys who you might not expect. And I thought that was really interesting because, of course, we're a day removed at the time of this quote from watching Malachi Flynn not play in the entire first half of yesterday's game, play just 13 minutes to Delano Banton's, I think, 24 or 25, and just didn't really seem like he was part of the plans in the same way as all the other six foot nine weirdos the Raptors rolled out there in that game on Monday. It's just one preseason game. They have six preseason games, and I think you know it's totally reasonable to expect that Malachi Flynn might start one of these games in place of a Fred Van Bleet, for example, who is in no need of preseason warming up. Uh, maybe he gets a little bit of extra run off the bench, runs the second unit. Who's to say? But I thought that was interesting. Do you think there is a potential trouble here for Malachi Flynn keeping that backup point guard job that we all kind of assumed he was going to have coming into camp based on those comments from Nick Nurse Vivek? I don't. Not yet, anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think that's Nick Nurse playing a bit of mind games uh, sure. with his own crew. He's used to he's used to doing it with the media, but <laughs> I think this might be a case where everyone's kind of looking across the locker room, but it's actually no one in particular. And he's sure. just saying, hey, let's keep everyone on their toes. Um, and the reason I don't think it's Malachi Flynn is because uh, when asked about why Malachi didn't play the first half after the game, he did explain that he wanted to get Scotty reps on the ball. He did want to get Delano reps on the ball and see what that looked like. And sure. so it wasn't something uh, that was uh, about Malachi not doing what he's supposed to. The one thing he did sort of criticize about Malachi at practice yesterday was mm -hmm. that he would just like Malachi to push the ball up uh, quicker. Sure. And, and so uh, maybe that was something where he gets to sit on the bench and see what Scotty and Delano and even Utah are doing uh, mm -hmm. as soon as they get the board because he was explaining how with uh, – and again, this is where it goes back to now uh, thinking that Malachi is safe is he views Fred and Goron and Malachi as like the good uh, you know, catch-and-shoot guys. Sure. And so he wants them to push it get the ball out of their hands, let all those other guys go to work, and then when the kickouts uh, come to them, that that's when they'll have their shots. So uh, I think Malachi is going to be an important part if uh, he can get his jump shot going. Mm -hmm. um, and I think maybe he's got to step away a little bit from thinking that you know, he's got to be the point guard and uh, really run the offense every time. Yeah, I think that's uh, well put. And like I said, it's one preseason game with a lot of dudes to get into the lineup. Like, I think we'll probably see, for example, you know, Sam Decker and Ish Wainwright get some extra run at some point here. Reggie Perry, guys who didn't really get into that first preseason game. There will be plenty of opportunities with the six preseason game schedule, which I think is very much uh, by design for the Raptors to try to just get as much time to sort of marinate in this roster as they possibly can. I think we'll see sort of a more even dispersal of minutes by the time we get to the end of the preseason for a lot of those sort of second unit guys and guys beyond that. Um, you know, again, I, I think if Banton is going to challenge anybody, it's 
you know, it, it's challenging for those backup minutes at the four almost at, to start the season. If, you know, we assume Scotty Barnes is going to slide into the starting five with Boucher and Siakam not available right out of the gate. There's going to be some minutes behind him there to soak up. Obviously, some of those will be soaked up by probably Precious Tachua sliding up a position, uh, OG sliding down a little bit. But Banton, I think, is probably more in the mix as like a point forward type than he is as a backup point guard. And, you know, I, I don't think I see the Raptors just like giving up on Malachi Flynn or anything like that. I, you know, one preseason game does not tell the whole story. So I would not worry too much there if you are a Malachi Flynn stand if you are Eric Flynn his Facebook loving father who had a rough day on Monday with Facebook going down for all the hours that happened uh, <laughs> it was, uh, uh I, I I think it's probably all right there for Malachi Flynn before we get to OG stuff uh, you know any other sort of practice notes uh, for you Vivek that have kind of stood out you know it's been pretty you know what you'd expect from the first couple of weeks of training camp here but anything else in terms of what Nick Nurse has said in terms of what players have said that has you sort of thinking or ruminating at all about what this season could look like out of the gate for the Raptors uh yeah I mean there were the standard stuff about Delano and Utah but yeah. maybe uh just what Nick said about Justin Champagne and mm. the fact that, you know, there is going to be a tough conversation to be had on what he brings to this team. And again, it is something different. It is, you know, his ability to get into gaps and spaces. And uh, when he was talking about Utah, he was like, oh, man, when he cuts, he cuts hard. And he mm. wishes that, you know, some of the other guys could pick up on that. One of the guys who doesn't need to pick up on that is Justin Champagne. And mm -hmm. so uh, if that's something he really values, then you know, maybe that that is a spot that uh, Champagne can uh, vie for and put himself in the running over the course of these next few games. Yeah, I mean, you know, same applies as Banton with that backup four spot kind of being up for grabs. And Champagne, you know, kind of this the quietly very good player from the Raptors preseason game. I watched the first half back last night just because I was sitting around him and I wanted to see what the broadcast looked like and everything. And... Champagne just looks like he knows what he's doing. It, you know, it's kind of a standard basic thing to say, but for a rookie, it's always notable when they kind of know where to stand and know exactly what their role is right away. And it seems like Champagne's pretty aware of that. And I, I honestly don't know what the hell he is as a player. Like he's got some ball handling chops, obviously was on the ball more in college than he figures to be in the NBA, but there's something there with Champagne and he obviously fits the vision six foot nine of it all as well so we'll keep an eye on champagne he got banged up i think yesterday so we'll see if he's able yeah. to play in the next preseason game tomorrow night against the sixers um but you know i would either way as a two-way guy he's going to get some 905 time for sure it's the matter of you know where he's you know sneaks into the nba rotation and if he can you know, there's a lot of good players on this team it might just be that the early part of the season offers opportunity that won't be there as the season goes along but we shall see uh, we're going to continue on here and get into OG Ananobi and what success might look like for OG in his now fifth season in the NBA, onto that new contract and ready to potentially take a leap. We saw him have a really great preseason opener with 21 points on 7 of 12. We're going to talk about what success might look like for OG this season in one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Sweatblock who are changing the game when it comes to excessive sweating. Look, it's not comfortable to talk about. I don't love talking about it, but I like to, I, I don't like to sweat a lot, but I do sweat a lot. And it's just, sweat log has come along and totally changed the game for me. Usually I'm worried about what colors I'm wearing. Is it going to hide sweat properly? It's like a very, very ongoing nightmare all the time. But with sweat blocks, antiperspirant wipes and their dry shirt guarantee, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Sweat block is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before you go to bed, 
wake up the next morning, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat, guaranteed. I know this is going to sound too good to be true, but I am a sweat block user. I use it all the time, and it is working for me extremely, extremely well. And I, I just I can't recommend it enough. You should definitely go and pick yourself up a box of wipes. You got the deodorant as well, some other products you can pick up at their site. If you or somebody you love is dealing with this, you have to go check out Sweatblock today. Get it for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS, although that promo code does not apply at those locations. So go to sweatblock.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Sleeper, who have changed the game when it comes to fantasy basketball. I am a person who cannot stand the day-to-day grind of setting my lineup for fantasy basketball. I get suckered into a league every year, and then within two weeks, everyone in said league is mad they invited me because I forget to set my lineup, and I ruin the integrity of the league. Well, guess what? With Game Pick by Sleeper, you don't have to worry about that daily busy work anymore. You can set your lineup at the start of the week and let it ride because you pick just one game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents, which is always the big thing to keep in mind with fantasy basketball. This replaces counting uh, numbers of games with actual strategy. You get to pick your games based on player matchups, home versus away, opponents' defensive ranking, pace of play, and more. All that adds up to more strategy and less daily busy work. Whether you prefer a redraft keeper or dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper has cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football like that weekly sort of rhythm of things like I do, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Game Picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. All right, Big V back here again. Thanks, everyone, for making us your first listen of the day. And we continue on here digging into now OG and Anobi. We've talked about OG a lot on the show in recent weeks. If I go back to like the recent episodes, OG appears in about half of the episode titles. But I think that's apt. He is, I think, the most important player for the Raptors this season. The most intriguing, the guy who kind of changes the ceiling of the team the most if things go really, really well for him. There's a lot tied up into watching OG this season. And so we should probably think about what a successful season for him is going to look like if he's able to achieve that. So I guess let's just begin statistically speaking. Last season, of course, 16 points a game, five and a half rebounds, 2.2 assists, shot 40% from three, uh, 78% from the line as well, which was a nice uptick after some years kind of being a weirdly bad free throw shooter, had a 60.5 true shooting percentage as well, career high on the most attempts he's ever taken in, a, in games, uh, averaging, what was it, uh, 12.1 attempts a game, four more than his previous career high, and he increased the efficiency, which is what you love to see now is going to come the big challenge of increasing the efficiency from being a high usage role player to being a high usage just player on the team and that's going to come with obviously statistical uptick but the numbers for efficiency you're going to have to keep pace if it's going to be i think a successful season quote unquote for og we'll get to the efficiency side of things the playmaking side of things in a second here but just in terms of numbers what are you kind of hoping to see from og this season vivek like are you looking for him to take that leap up into like low mid 20s scoring is it more about the sort of way in which he's getting his buckets than it is the volume of the buckets where are you at with the stat line you're hoping to see from og across the board this year i think with the scoring for sure i'm looking to see him crack that 20 point barrier Mm -hmm. um because i think it's right there for him i think when you take away kyle lowry Mm-hmm. and the opportunities that will come with that, uh, that in itself should see him get up into that 20 mark. Uh, I think it was only one preseason game, and it was only one uh, 
you know, pregame warm-up that I saw from him, but I think the improvement in the shot or what he's trying to do with his shot with, you know, putting more arc on it and just having that higher release, I, I think that is something that is going to help him. Uh, and and just being able to shoot off the dribble. Uh, mm-hmm. That is a huge asset to have, being comfortable pulling up. And you think about his development over time, you know, you think about two seasons ago, looking still a little clunky on the dribble and all that, that's steadily gone away. Mm-hmm. And he's looking more and more assertive, more and more confident with his dribble, his handle. So I think the 20 point barrier for sure, I'm looking uh, at him breaking. And then on the glass, it's, it's going to be a team effort for the Raptors. So I think he yeah. needs to almost take on a leadership role from that standpoint and say, yeah, I am going to get on the glass. Uh, you know, some of it you're going to have to evaluate game to game where, mm-hmm. you know, is is the best player on the team, uh, on the opposing team, a guard. And, and so is OG assuming that matchup, you know, at, at the top of the key all the time. Mm-hmm. It's unreasonable to expect him to be the one grabbing the board in those situations. Uh, so uh, outside of that, yeah, if he if he can go, I think it was about five and a half last season, but he's there's no reason at his size, at his strength, uh, that he should be under seven. So Yeah, that's... I yeah, that's, that's a good I'd point. Like to see him get to. Yeah, that's a good point with the rebounding. I mean, everyone's going to have to be uh, pulling their weight there because they're constantly going to be outgunned size-wise. And I thought they did a good job against the Sixers. Obviously, no Embiid to throw into the mix there. So all of the grains of salt with that, you know, it's Andre Drummond's a good rebounder. Sure. Is he like an effective like boxer outer at this point in the preseason? Probably not. So, you know, it's only so much you can take from that. But yeah, you're right in the rebounding. I also think you know the playmaking is going to be fascinating as well. I'm not expecting what we saw from Pascal last season necessarily from OG, where it was a little bit more advanced. You know, it was after a season of being the number one option and kind of learning what defenses are trying to do to him, where he kind of expanded that playmaking repertoire last season. So I think we're probably a year or two away from that with OG. But can he do what Pascal did in his first season as sort of the guy for the Raptors in 2019-20? Can he average three, three and a half assists a game? You know, have some games where he might be the target of opposing defenses, especially early in the season without Siakam. Can he have some of those surprising seven, eight assist games where he's leveraging his own sort of gravity into good looks for others? That's going to be interesting as well. There were some positive signs kind of up against the doubles that the Sixers sent his way a lot of the time in that first game, but it's only one game. And again, the Sixers were not their complete selves and it's the preseason. So, you know, we should just like, there should be like a little graphic that we can put up in the top corner of the YouTube. That's just like a large piece of salt, (laughs) just kind of hanging over (laughs) everything we talk about during the preseason. But that's going to be interesting, the playmaking side of things. As far as the scoring, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking like a final stat line for OG, you know, I'm I'm fascinated by this because we're a couple weeks away from doing our over-under podcast, and I'm still reckoning with what the over-under I'm going to set for OG is going to be as, as far as points a game. But, you know, it's a big leap. He's, he was at 16, but can he get to 22 a game? Like, there's a lot of vacated scoring from Kyle not being around. Obviously, no Pascal early, early in the season, no Boucher early in the season. I don't know if it's going to be the most efficient, but if he can get to that 22-23... 
then you have that sort of two-headed monster between him and Siakam once he's back, and it becomes really difficult to guard them. And I think there's an argument to be made that OG's efficiency stands a better chance of scaling up more effectively than Pascal's, just because he is a better shooter, just because, you know, he does have a sort of knack for the rim, you know, when he wants to, and you can kind of bully guys around the way Pascal can't really. It's a little bit more work for Pascal to get those easy looks off around the bucket. And, you know, again, I think Pascal's the best player on the team, but I think there's a chance that OG is like a slightly lower scorer than Siakam, who is a little bit more efficient, and you're totally okay with that. You're still fine having Pascal be your number one option because he brings the playmaking, but I think you could see OG, you know, I think it's a reasonable thing to expect, you know, 21-22 a game without too much of a drop-off efficiency-wise. And, you know, I, I think it's fair to expect that. It's fair to want that because it does really tie into what the future of the team is going to look like. If OG can take that leap, then things get really interesting pretty quickly for the team. And so, I I don't know, where, where are you at with, like, the sort of not wanting to put undue expectation on OG, right? It's kind of like a different, a difficult sweet spot to find because you don't want to be like, oh, if he's at 18 a game and he's efficient, that's fine because they're going to need more than that. But is it too much to expect 23 a game with a 58 and a half true shooting or something like that? Where's that sort of even sort of middle ground as to what's fair and reasonable to expect from OG, who we've just kind of all assigned this breakout and it still has to happen. And maybe it's unfair that we're heaping all this on him. Yeah, I think that's where, to me, I just say let's get over 20 yeah. and then let's just see what the rest of the offense looks like because sure. even in that first preseason game, you know, it, it did look like a meritocracy and so uh, it seemed like everyone was getting their touches and uh, we'll see how it spreads around. Um, but with OG, I think over 20 for sure. I'm not going to be mad if it's under 20 three under 24. Uh, I'm not going to be mad if the efficiency dips a bit from last season, just because Mm -hmm. he's going to have to go about getting his baskets in different ways. Last year was pretty much everything's either coming at the basket or it's a spot up uh, three point shot. And so now you're asking him to do more things off the dribble. Uh, There might be a few more, you know, we talked about the assists possibly going up. There might be a few more turnovers in the mix as well. So, Mm -hmm. uh, those things won't frustrate me. That's part of the development curve for him. Um, but for me, the biggest theme of the season for the team and for the individual players involved is the training wheels are off. So mm-hmm. go out there, you know, pick up a few uh, scrapes and follow, follow if, if you need to a few times. But, you know, at, at this point, we're, we're not looking to sugarcoat things. We're not looking to, you know, really keep everyone safe. Go out there and be exactly the player you think you can be. And if you fall short, you fall short. But at the same time, it's his fifth season. so And it's his first go at being like a real star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, – I mean, there's even more to dive into here. I want to kind of get to some specific stat categories. That was a lot of S's to get out of one mouth. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to get to some specific stats and kind of dig into, you know, what we're hoping to see there and what would be a disappointment, you know, if he were to come in and, you know, finish with X number well below expectation, does that end up being an unsuccessful season or is there kind of no lack of success to be had as long as he's getting opportunity? That's an interesting thing we'll dive into in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. 
Maybe you want to bet for OG and Anobi to win most improved player. That that's the thing you can do at BetOnline.ag. You should go and check it out. Check out all those Raptors and you know NBA preseason props. You can also, of course, bet on football. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface even more odds props and contests bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on that means if you put 100 bucks in you get 150 to play with off the bat that is a great great deal from basketball ba- uh, football boxing baseball whatever it might be down to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Vivek, let's uh, continue on here. Let's talk about some specific numbers for OG and what you're hoping for as sort of a barometer for success. Let's go to that true shooting first off. 60.5 last season was not a real drop-off at all after the trade deadline when he soaked up a lot more possessions with no Norman Powell around. Um, And, you know, he seemed pretty comfortable in that role. Obviously, like we've said, with the increase in usage, which is going to be like 23, 24, 25% usage guy, potentially, there's going to be some trade-offs there efficiency-wise, unless he's just like this you know, matchup-proof superstar, which is not fair to expect. But, you know, there are some guys who scale up and lose no efficiency, and that is the sign of someone that you really want to build around. So we'll see. The jury's still out there. But if you're looking and expecting a bit of a drop-off, what is the drop-off you're comfortable with, and what is the drop-off, true shooting-wise, where you start to go, oh, this is not great. This doesn't bode well for that sort of breakout, that star that we're hoping to see OG become. So I'll break it down into the different segments. So, for example, sure. the three-point shot, uh, he was at six attempts a game last season and mm-hmm. shot pretty much 40%. This season, if he's shooting more off the dribble, uh, maybe he gets the attempts up to seven or eight. Mm-hmm. But if the number comes you know, to about 36, 37, I'm fine with that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it, if it drops to 34, 33, that's where it's like, okay, you know, the off the dribble stuff really needs some work. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I look at is how does he sort of make up for that from a true shooting perspective, perspective, it'll be getting to the line, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Can you get to the line more. Uh, he improved significantly at the free throw line last season, shooting 78%. So can he be right around there? Can he get above that 80 mark? And so uh, if he attempted, you know, just, what was it, two two and a half free throws last season? Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can double that, right? Let's, let's yeah. see if we can get it up to four um, and maintain that 80%. I, I think that would be healthy for him. And I think... If he can keep his true shooting above, you know, 56, 57, I, I think that's great, right? Mm-hmm. Let's keep it above that range. 
so those are the two areas with the three-point shot, with the free throw shooting. I feel fairly confident that the majority of his two-point shots will still come around the basket because yeah. most of that stuff is still, you know, uh, him either getting good looks uh, created for him or him, you know, getting switched on to a big and breaking them down and then going to that spin finish. So mm-hmm. I, I feel pretty good about uh, his two-point shooting, uh, especially around the basket. Yeah, I do too. I mean, the, the, around the basket, I mean, he's just such a monster, right? Like, it, it, he's going to be difficult to stop. Last season, uh, less than 10 feet, he shot uh, 60.6% from inside 10 feet last year, which is uh, not a bad place to be. I'm looking at his pull-up numbers from last year, and this is going to be the swing skill, right? And like you're talking about, if there are issues with him being a higher usage on-ball guy and not being able to connect on those pull-ups, you know, that's going to dig into the efficiency more than anything else. So last season, two-point pull-ups, 13 of 38, 34.2%, not a great percentage, only 7.3% of his total shots. And then from three, uh, six of 30 on pull-up threes last season, just 5.8 of his total looks last year, uh, 20% from uh, pull-ups. He was 42.4% on catch and shoot, which I think is very clearly not a problem for OG. Um, you know, can he pull that pull-up three-point percentage up to 30? Like, just to show that there's a threat of that shot. I'm not saying he's got to be Steph Curry out of the gate here, but can he make that a shot that teams are going to be thinking about at least a little bit? Because if it is, then things become easier for him as a pick and roll operator. He's having guys try to fight over screens as opposed to easily going under or being happy with it, giving him the Giannis treatment and all that. That's going to be a huge, huge swing skill. I have no idea how to expect, you know, what's going to happen there. He seems eager to take those pull-ups. We saw a little bit in the game against the Sixers, kind of watching back. I was kind of taken aback by how eager he was to, you know, pull up from 20 feet. Maybe not the greatest shot selection in a couple of of those instances, but I'm glad he's doing it. And, you know, he can get the shot off. He's got the step back that he's kind of working on as well. I think there are sort of avenues by which he can create space there to get those looks off. So that's a huge one. You mentioned the free throws as well. I I would actually even want to see him go higher than four a game. Like if he's not above five, I think that's kind of a missed opportunity for easy points. Like there's no reason he shouldn't be able to pick up three shooting fouls at the rim a game. Just the way if you're kind of doing the math, like he is going to be at the rim a lot. He is constantly kind of he's a hawk for the rim, right? And transition, he's kind of always under there as well. I, I feel like, you know, he like he's got it within him to average six a game. Obviously, you need some help from the officials and the respect of the officials and all that stuff to help grease the wheels from that side of things. But I think six is kind of what I'm hoping for here. It's a lot to ask for, but it's going to be a thing he has to do to keep that efficiency high and, and maintain that level and also help give the Raptors extra easy points, which they're going to desperately need because that half court offense, as we saw in that Sixers game, not exactly the greatest thing in the world as of right now. Um, when it comes to the true shooting, you know, if we just kind of compare to Pascal in his season where he broke out one most improved player and won the championship, he had a 62.8 true shooting. That was obviously playing off of Kyle Lowry, Marcus Gasol, Kawhi Leonard. There were there was a really nice ecosystem in which Pascal could score easy buckets in that season. It's it obviously going to be a little team. bit more. It was a very man. OG didn't even play for that team. Can we just take a second to remember how ridiculous that roster was? Like <laughs> it's, it never ceases to amaze. Uh, unreal. Um, 
but yeah, Siakam in the second season of his sort of breakout uh, when he became the number one option with Kawhi gone, went down to a 55.4 true shooting. He was at 54.7 last season as well, although it upticked near the end of the year. Um, I, I don't want to see a 7% drop off for OG from 60 to 53. That wouldn't be ideal. It, but if he's going to sort of replicate that, then and replicate the sort of increase in usage, then maybe that's what you have to kind of bake in an expectation to drop down that low. I think he's got a little bit more touch and three point shooting acumen that'll make it so it doesn't fall off that hard. But, you know, I think if it's below 53, 54, then I'm a little bit concerned about, okay, does he actually have the juice to sort of be that number one option down the line or a number two option, whatever it is you're hoping him to be. That's where I'll get concerned. If it's 55, 56, but there are positive signs, the playmaking upticks a little bit, I think you can qualify that as success for OG when it comes to scaling up and not losing too much efficiency. So that's kind of where I'm at there. Um, when it comes to the defensive side of things, Vivek, uh, you know, this is going to be a conversation all year, I think, in terms of, and you mentioned it earlier, in terms of him. Does he get that main assignment on a point guard who's, you know, kind of the ball dominant guy for a team? Is he, you know, doing the thing where he guards centers sometimes and goes all over the place and is the Swiss army knife? Or does some of that defensive responsibility get delegated elsewhere? You know, is there a barometer for success you're looking at for OG on the defensive end this season? Or is it kind of a matter of just like don't drop off too much and continue to be OG and you're going to be fine? Yeah, it's the latter. Uh, Don't drop off too much and... Uh, I think that what would lend most to him being able to maintain that level on the defensive end is the fact that, you know, you look at someone like Pascal and this uh, argument I would use with the true shooting percentage as well uh, is he won't be as much of a primary ball handling option. Good point. Yeah. And so uh, I think that responsibility will be less. And so I think that lends toward OG maybe having a bit more energy uh, than Pascal would have had. I think with OG, you know, we know what he can do as a one-on-one defender. Mm-hmm. Maybe here and there he's had some slip-ups uh, as a team defender, and maybe that's something he levels up in. Uh, but either way, you know, I fully expect this to be the season where he makes an all-defensive team. And I, I think... I think he's a special defensive player. Uh, he's proven that to everyone that watches regularly in Toronto. Uh, and it's just a matter of everyone else catching on. The same way, you know, Miami fans seem to be catching on to what Kyle Lowry did. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a fun subplot all season long. Oh, Kyle Lowry is good and makes players better? What the hell? This is news to the- all right, way to show your ass. You did not watch a single Raptors game for the last eight years. Congratulations, Miami Heat fans. Um, just nutty. Yeah, just. <laughs> like, did, they, did they not watch that game seven where he dropped 35 and dumped them out of the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a long and storied history of Kyle Lowry cooking various members of the Miami Heat. So <laughs> it is uh, that is a fun one. Uh, <laughs> there are a few good ones out there. I know uh, there's, there's a few folks out there who are, um, you know, appreciative of the Kyle Lowry effect before it even happens. So thanks, Nikias. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, to kind of close off the thing here with OG, I, I think also I'm going to make a rule is you're not allowed to have any takes on OGs, like the, the breakout, the, the viability of the breakout until after Pascal's back. 
because um, it could be pretty rough in the first month of the season. It really, really could. There could be just extra attention being thrown his way that he's not used to, and the supporting cast is not there to really supplement and offer the help that he's going to need to kind of ease into that role. It's really going to be trial by fire for him, and I think everyone should take a beat. If he's got like a 52 true shooting and is, you know, kind of struggling and t- turning it over as much as he is getting assists, like wait until Pascal's back to see if that actually is real and what he is. And I have a hunch that things will get much easier for him when the six foot nine power forward who scores 23 a game and defends like a monster and play makes real good uh, is back in the lineup. So that's a rule that I've instituted here. If you're a Raptors fan, you must follow it. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Uh, Big V feels like a good place to wrap things up. Any last thoughts here on OG before we go? And if not, just plug away, man. I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, OG having a ton of, you know, breakout game after breakout game after breakout game, uh, mm-hmm. and and having to do pressers and having to do way more pressers. <laughs> just having nothing to say. Yeah, I'm <laughs> also looking reminding forward us to... that he doesn't shoot to miss. I, I would hope that he brings that back. Uh, I, I also hope that we see, at some point here, like OG plays so well that the whole, oh, they could trade him for Ben Simmons thing. It just goes uh, to bed forever. Look, I'm not here to say who's better between OG and Anobi and Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is probably the better player right this second in just in terms of all-encompassing impact on a game. I don't think that's going to last very long because I think OG does a lot more for a modern NBA team than Ben Simmons ever has or ever will do. And I think it's going to be not very long until people realize, oh, yeah, that's why the Raptors wouldn't do that trade. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be a surprise that they wouldn't do that at this point, but you know, that's uh, the way Ben Simmons has talked about, I suppose. Big V, that's it for today. Anything you want to promote? Usual stuff. You can check out my work at raptors.com, Complex Canada, CBC Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Fantastic. The handle is right there on the YouTube page. Speaking of the YouTube page, pick plage youtube plage words uh please subscribe to the youtube plage please uh and uh continue to add to those numbers we're, we're pushing towards a thousand hoping to do that maybe by the time the season starts that would be wonderful and great and uh very kind of all of you kind folks out there to help make that happen you can subscribe follow this podcast on all your favorite podcast apps as well free on all platforms thank you for making us your first listen of the day your second listen of the day should of course be locked on nba as they're covering the league every single day fresh slate of preseason games every single night and uh, there's been great work over there and oh all as well as well next week on locked on nba there will be uh, a Pre- previews uh, my god words uh <laughs> this is difficult <laughs> i have had one coffee not two it's usually my you know level i need to be at to function coherently um but there's going to be the ultimate nba preview coming out in the next couple weeks here round tables with uh myself and a bunch of hosts i'll be on the teams on the rise round table which is a fun place to be with teams like the pelicans and the grizzlies so we'll chat about how Scotty Barnes is the equal of Zion Williamson and John Morant. Perhaps they're superior. We'll see. I'll make that argument, I bet, on those roundtables. So you have most to look forward to as well. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Katie Heindel is going to pop on the show. We're going to talk about whatever we want. I don't know what we're going to talk about just yet, but that'll be fun. And then on Friday, Ben Carlos from the new Yahoo Sports NBA roster of of coverage folks and content people is going to come on the show to talk about the Sixers game on Thursday night. Next week, 
going to have some great stuff too. Hoping to work on a really big guest uh, that would be really fun and I think awesome a treat for Raptors fans. So that's in the works. I'm not going to tease it just yet, but hopefully that's in line for next week. And our pal Javon Shepard's going to hop on the show next week too to talk about how he's a TV superstar and all that stuff. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.